uh, lived that out, the words of that song. What's interesting on our end is that um, Chaz picked that out about nine weeks ago as a song that she wanted to use with the Worship, Grow, Serve theme, and uh, God just kind of had that all planned for this Sunday too. So let's pray, and I'm going to share from God's Word this morning. Father, as we come before you, would you speak to us through your scripture today? We want to live like that too. We want to live our life totally devoted to you, sold out, leaving nothing back, but putting Jesus first in our heart and in our life so that others might see who you are and all the glory goes to you. Amen. Back in the days when uh, Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers, he had an interesting way of starting his training camp. The uh, rookies would be brought in and the veterans were there for this team meeting and everybody knew that, you know, this was a serious time and he was going to waste no time at all getting down to business. And they were not disappointed. In fact, uh, Vince Lombardi uttered one of the most famous lines in football when he started his training camp by saying, gentlemen, this is a football. What was he saying by that? He was saying that at this camp, we are going to get back to the fundamentals. You may be professionals, but unless we block and tackle and run and pass and catch better than anybody else, we're not going to accomplish anything. It all comes down to how you execute the fundamentals. And that is really true in the Christian life as well, that there are things that need to be priorities in our life if we are going to grow in our relationship with God and if we're going to be uh, effective as Christians in our daily walk, there are certain things that we need to do. In the Old Testament, we read that when the Israelites were about to enter into the promised land, Moses pulled them aside. And in the book of Deuteronomy, he said some very important things. Deuteronomy chapter 6. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. He was calling them to put God first in their life. He said, Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of slavery and do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Pretty simple. Here's what you do. Keep God first. Love him with all your heart. Serve him only, not other gods. And when you come into that land and you begin to prosper and God has blessed you and you enjoy the fruit of the harvest or how God has provided for you, be careful that you don't forget where all of that came from, the God who loves you and sent his son to redeem you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. So as we begin a new year of ministry, I want to share with you three words that are at the heart of who we are as a church. They are the words worship, grow, and serve. They are three things that God calls all of us to do in our daily life. And for those of you who have been a part of the church, you've heard me share this before in a similar way, and this will be a great reminder to all of us of what is to be important in our life. But for those who are new, maybe you're visiting our church today for the very first time, this is a great way for you to get to know the heart of our church and the faith that we hold on to. These three things are so important to all of us in our everyday life. We are called to experience the joy of worship. 
Again, Moses challenged the Israelites to love God with all their heart and soul and strength. And Jesus would later say to the disciples that this is the first and greatest commandment. God comes first. And as a church, we want to put first things first in our life as well. Many years ago, when Kevin Long was playing for the Florida State University football team, he said his coach, Bobby Bowden, would share a lot of stories or parables, he called them. And uh, Bobby Bowden shared this one story that when he was in college, he was playing baseball and he had never hit a home run in his career. And then one day it happened. Uh, He took a big swing and he hit a ball down the right field line and it made it over the fence into the seats. Well, he was so excited, he started running to first, and he looked over at his coach, and then he rounded first, and he went to second, and then was running toward third, and his coach is waving him in. And he came to home plate, and he jumped on that plate, and the, you know, the fans were cheering, and the teammates came out to give him high fives. And he was so excited, his first home run playing baseball in college. Well, he was soon disappointed because the pitcher on the other team saw what had happened, took the baseball, threw it to the first baseman who stepped on the bag, and Bobby Bowden was called out. He had failed to touch first base. And Coach Bowden said, if you don't take care of first base, it doesn't matter what else you do. You're out. And he said, if you don't honor the Lord first in your life, it doesn't matter what else you do either. It counts for nothing. God comes first. And when we love God, we want to worship Him. And that just spills over in our life. Psalm 100 says that we should worship the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful songs. We are to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise and give thanks to Him and praise His name. We did that this morning as we sang these great songs of worship and praise to our Lord. When we come together and worship, there's freedom to raise your hands or not raise your hands. There's freedom to clap or not clap. But all of us want to sing from our heart as unto the Lord. When we come on Sunday morning, it is a celebration of who God is and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ. It's a time in our week when we put Him first in our schedule on the Lord's Day and we are reminded once again of what is important and lasting in life. We encourage you at our church to actually come for both hours on Sunday morning. We'd like to see you here for an hour to come and worship together with your family if you have children with you and to come and to worship here in the service so that your kids experience that as well. And I know that sometimes uh, life is busy and maybe you can't do that. And sometimes people, parents come to worship and send their kids to Sunday school during the same hour. But we would encourage you to make it a habit to come for both hours. And the reason for that too is that we want you to be connected as individuals in our adult Bible fellowships. To take that next step to build relationships, get to know people. Many of you are also serving as teachers in Sunday school or helping in the nursery. And so you can do that one hour and worship the other hour and come and celebrate God together. Worship is more, though, than what happens on Sunday. It is a way of life for the believer. In Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, The scripture says that we are to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
We are to sing and make music in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we come on Sunday morning and there's a particular song that ministers to us. And I find myself often during the week humming that song. I may not know all the words, but I'm humming it or I'm thinking about it. And this week, you know, after the service for Micah Monday, I was humming and singing that song. I want to live like that. I want to live like that. I want, I want to live in such a way that others can see Jesus in me and be drawn to him as well. And maybe God is using a song today that's going to encourage your heart and lift you up. Joe and Amy have shared how music has ministered to them. And Amy, I really appreciate the postings on Caring Bridge when you often have the lyrics of a song that you've heard that day driving down to the hospital. Or God has used something from our worship service that's stuck with you. And that's what we're talking about here, that we are to worship God as a way of life. And there should be that song in our heart. That's what keeps us in tune with the Lord. It lifts us up and it kind of resets our compass to what is true north, what is most important in our life. It gives us strength and it fills our heart with joy. And secondly, we want to experience the joy of growing, of growing in Christ. One of Paul's disciples was a young man named Timothy. And he was a pastor, and Paul wrote a letter to him to encourage him. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said this. He said, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. What's interesting is Timothy was probably about 30 years old at the time. And they're saying to him, you know, you're a young pastor, you know, but here's what I want you to do. And he said, Timothy, I want you to be diligent in these matters. I want you to give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress in the faith. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy, set an example. Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine and keep growing in your relationship with Christ. Let others see your good progress. You know, I think about that and I go, what a great challenge that is for all of us. What a great challenge to remember that we are to be an example to others. That starts in our home, it starts with our friends and our workplace, but we are to set an example of what it means to know Jesus Christ. And we are to watch our life. Does our life, does our walk match our talk? Can others see that reality of Jesus' presence in our life? And it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be times when we stumble or we say something we wish we hadn't and we have to go back and say, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? And we apologize for it or we admit that that was wrong. But people should be able to see our progress. And pay attention to our doctrine. What we believe really is important. That affects what we understand about salvation or the priority of God's Word in our life or what is essential. How does someone come to know God as Savior and Lord through Jesus Christ? Those things are important to nail down in our life and then to keep growing, keep growing in our faith. 
I've been reading and studying the Bible now for about 40 years when I think about what God did in my life at a young age and helped me to know Him. And I love it. I never get tired of it. You've heard me say before that when I preach, my favorite book is whatever I'm preaching on at the moment because it's just an amazing book. And God uses His Word in our life to shape us and mold us. When we take the time to read and study the Scriptures or to meditate on it, His Word changes our thoughts and our values. It comforts us when we are going through times when we are hurting. It guides us in decisions that we need to make. It gives us power and strength when we are facing challenges and obstacles in our life. It convicts us of sin. It gives us hope and assures us of what is to come, the promises of God. And as we grow in Christ, we experience greater and greater joy. Jesus said to his disciples that if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And he said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. God wants you to experience joy in your life to the fullest. And how do we experience that? When we walk with him in obedience day by day. I think about it like this, where God wants to see our progress, and others do too. When our boys were young, I loved to go in the backyard with them, and when they were toddlers, you know, we got them one of those bats that's kind of fat and wide, you know, so they could hit the ball, and it was a bigger ball, and, you know, as a dad, you're taking that, and you're out there, and you're kind of lobbing it to them, and they'd take a swing and miss, you know, the timing wasn't just right, and, you know, you'd do it again and again until they got, and they hit it, and then you'd, you'd cheer for them, like, that's great, that's great. And sometimes as a dad, you felt like you were throwing the ball more at the bat than they were swinging the bat at the ball, and that's okay. You know, and then comes that stage where they're hitting off of a tee and tee ball, and sometimes they hit the tee and sometimes they hit the ball, you know, but it's okay, and you're excited for them as they're growing and developing until that day comes when they're hitting live pitching and they're doing well and you see their skills develop and improve. And there's joy along the way in watching their progress. Or take a child who's learning to play piano, and at first they may sit at the keyboard and just plonk on some keys. Or maybe you play a song, and they're playing along with you very simply. And then comes that day when they're learning to play, and they have their first recital, and there's a celebration, joy in that. And as they continue to develop their gifts and talents, ability, when that day comes when they can play beautifully at the piano, and it's a joy for everybody to hear, it just warms your heart as well. I want to tell you, you know, a few weeks ago when Gail and I got to see our son Matt leading worship at a church of about 1,200 now, it brings great joy. To think of this little guy who started out kind of strumming in his bedroom on a guitar and trying to learn a few chords and notes and to see what God has done is amazing. And I want to tell you that as much as we as parents delight in watching our children grow, God delights in watching you grow. God delights in seeing your growth and progress in the faith. And as a church, we want to help you to grow in Christ. 
I'd like to put up the discipleship pathway, if you would, for us here. And I know that's a little small. We've got some copies of this out in the back where the small group table is and the other information is. But we talk about discipleship in four steps, four phases. And that first one is really a challenge to explore Christ. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus as Savior and Lord because you just have questions about that, and you might say, you know what, well, I believe there is a God, but I'm not sure about Jesus. And to be honest with you, my faith isn't a significant part of my life right now. We would encourage you to come to our worship services. Just check it out. And come to a class like we offer, like Christianity Explored, where you can ask your questions about the Bible, about Jesus, about who he is, and grow in your understanding and come to that point where you would make a decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you've done that, but you don't know where you go from there. Well, the second stage of discipleship we call growing in Christ, and that's where we want to help you to get to know God better and grow deeper and establish the habits in your life of reading the Bible or praying and talking to him. And we have a class called Discipleship Explored that you could join that could help you to do that. Or we encourage you to connect with our adult Bible fellowships. In the third phase, close to Christ, we want to help you to discover your spiritual gifts and use them in serving others. God has given each of us gifts and abilities that are to be used for his honor and glory. And one of the ways that we find out what those gifts are is just by getting involved in serving. And then finally, the Christ-centered life. God wants to bring us all to maturity in our relationship with him. We want to abide in Christ, remain in him, and come to that point where we would say that my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life, and it guides everything that I do. And we come to that point of commitment that whether it is here in the church or in the community or wherever God leads us, we are going to serve him because Jesus comes first in our life. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? What would be the next step for you? We want to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. And thirdly, is the joy of serving. God calls us to this joy of serving. The goal of the Christian life is not to sneak into heaven unnoticed. Sometimes I get that impression that there are some people who feel like they are Christians and they just kind of want to hide in the shadows and sneak into heaven on their own. No, that's not what this is about. The goal of the Christian life is to multiply our faith and to bring as many people with us as we can. It's to see our life used by God to touch others through our love, our kindness, our compassion. And that's why we as believers pray it's why we give generously to the Lord's work. It's why we serve and use our gifts in ministry. It's why we share the good news with others and disciple other people so that they can grow in faith. We are to go and make disciples of all nations, and that starts right here where we live. And God has given each of us the gifts that we need to do his will. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, the scripture says that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things 
God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All of us have been given gifts to be used for his glory. And God wants each of us to find that place in the body of Christ where we can serve. You know, we saw that beautifully illustrated this past week. When Lisa called on Thursday to say that Mike had had a seizure and had not woken up that morning, all of us in the church were stunned by that, but immediately people went into action using their gifts. Gail and I stopped by to be with them and to pray with the family. We had people coming over from the neighborhood. There were people coming over from the church. Several of our women stayed there the whole weekend just helping her with meals or cleaning or taking care of things in the home so Lisa could be with family and relatives that had come. Uh, we had an individual in our neighborhood who's an administrator in one of the schools, and he's the one who set up the Mike Lazotte Memorial Fund. You know, he was using his gifts as an administrator. Others were using their gifts in serving. Uh, Jim Melko and the building and grounds crew and many of you who came helped us set up all the chairs so we could have the service in the gym. And that takes a lot of work to get that ready. Uh, Bev organized the food, the meals, sending emails, prayer requests, and many of you responded to be a part of that. Uh, when it came for the day of the service and we were overwhelmed by the response of people, I looked out on the parking lot and I saw, you know, there's a whole lot of spaces here. And I had heard that people were parking on the street all the way down. And so I asked uh, Jay uh, Mork and Ken Splitzoser if they'd be willing to just go on out and wave people in. And immediately they went and they did that. I had someone call who uh, has a gift of giving and called and just asked, does the family have any needs? Can I help with that? Or, or what can be done? Uh, everyone was using their gifts to make a difference. Rochelle and Tina in the office, they had printed 500 bulletins. They ended up that day printing 500 more. Uh, Paul Martin and the ushers and those guys were just trying to find chairs in every part of the building. I mean, and all of that was setting the stage for a wonderful opportunity to share the good news. I was telling people that Mike did the hard work of building relationships. I just had the opportunity to share the message of the gospel. But it was Mike's life that touched so many, and that day God used his word to draw people to himself. That's how the body of Christ should work. And even one small act on your part spoke volumes. Not only did you respond when I asked you to pray, and many of you went down to pray and were praying through the service, but when we saw how many people were there and we had chairs for about 800 and they were all filled and people were standing at the back, someone suggested to me and I asked you that, uh, would you uh, stand? Would you be willing to give up your seats so that our guests could be seated? And over 100 of you immediately stood up, went to the back so others could be seated. You know, the next day at the school where Mike worked, the teachers were talking about that. They said, that was amazing. I mean, it was amazing that you would do that, that your response was such that you would stand up, give up your seat so that others could be there and here. We never know what God may use in our life or in our service that touches someone's heart. But I want to live like that. I want to live in such a way that others can see Jesus in me. Worship, grow, and serve. 
Those are three values that run deep at our church here. We want all of you to come on Sunday morning to be involved in worshiping God today and through the week. We want to grow in our faith. That's why we have ABFs and Sunday school and youth ministry and all the classes that we offer. And we want you to serve in the body of Christ. Worship, grow, and serve is more than a motto. It's a way of life. And that's what I want to remind you of this morning. Where does God want to use you? Where can you serve? And I want to challenge you and say, you know, are you in? Are you committed to this? Are you all in? Well, then let's pray together and let's do it. Father, as we think about what you have done for us, how can we do anything less? Jesus, you gave your all. You suffered and died on the cross for our sins that we might be saved. How can we do anything less but give you our life and respond in devotion? So would you bless this year of ministry coming up and help all of us to grow in our faith and to experience the joy of worship, the joy of growing close to you, and the joy of serving. In your name, amen. I'm going to show you a short video at this time, uh, just a small clip. I know we're packing a lot in today, but it's going to introduce the uh, next series that we are going to begin next week. And so this is about the story. Let's go ahead and play it, and then I'll say a couple things when it's done. This is your story. 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 This is my story. This is my story. This is my story. But most of all, this is the greatest story ever told. This is God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. I know you're going to enjoy the incredible journey you're about to embark on. The story is brimming over with tales of mystery, intrigue, adventure, of love, heartbreak, and triumph, of power, of struggle, and finally, of redemption. But remember, the Bible is not a hundred ancient, unrelated paintings, but a mural all knitted together to tell the story of God's great love for us and the extent to which He will go to get us back. I know you're really going to enjoy and appreciate this wonderful experience as you fully explore how we all fit into the greatest story ever told, God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. This is God's story. Next week, we're going to begin a 31-week journey that's called The Story. And it's going to take us through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, looking at the big themes and the stories and seeing how it ties together. There are materials at a book table that you can take a look at in the foyer that break that down into the 31 chapters that we're going to be covering. The book, the story, um, I have a copy of it up here too, is actually the NIV Bible, but it's in kind of a little bit of a Reader's Digest fashion, you might say, where it um, takes the actual scripture on the passages that we're going to look at and put those together, and then it summarizes sections in between. Now what churches have found that they've been doing this is that this is a great series to introduce uh, or to bring friends to, who maybe have wanted to read the Bible, never done it before, 
you know, who have thought about that, but just kind of said, boy, this is a difficult book to understand, or I've tried it, and I stopped, I got bogged down in the genealogies, or some of the other things. This is a way to get people into the book and to find how our story connects with God's story. So we'll be saying more about that in the weeks ahead, but there are copies that teenagers could get or you could use as a family devotion with your children or grandchildren, and everybody can be on the same page together for the next 31 weeks talking about the story. Would you stand with us as we close today? still there is a healer his love is deeper than the sea his mercy is unfailing his arms a fortress for the weak 